President Trump has given orders to formally begin the transition process with President-elect Joe Biden. The process will include stocking the Resolute desks with crayons, turning video camera settings to include subtitles so people can understand what the hell Biden is talking about, and of course, teaching White House employees not to laugh when the new president babbles incoherently or can't find his way back to bed from the bathroom. The nation, meanwhile, will prepare for the transition by practicing having less money and by watching the news with their jaws on their chests as reporters are miraculously transformed from raging beasts challenging the president's every assertion to cuddly, childlike little creatures reminiscent of the Ewoks in the Star Wars movie, except without testicles or brains. President Trump wants to be careful to maintain American tradition, and so having graciously permitted the transition to continue, he will now order the FBI to start bugging Joe Biden's phone and the CIA to leak damaging disinformation to the press while news anchors wear serious faces, even as they make hilariously absurd assertions about the incoming president and compare him to Hitler for no discernible reason. Some Democrats and journalists, but I repeat myself, have objected to the process. Congressman Adam Schiff announced, quote, it is absolutely disgraceful that the president should stoop to using the tactics of Democrats by harassing and investigating the new president. If he is going to be as dishonest as we are, the country will never come together into that state of unity in which everyone agrees with us, even though we ruin every single thing we touch. If Republicans begin sinking to the level of Democrats, where will it end? I mean, look at me, for instance. I'm worse than Joe McCarthy. If President Trump begins acting like me, the country is doomed. Unquote. Trump says he will begin the transition even though he's not finished challenging the election results because he needs time to place the whoopee cushions on all the White House chairs. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, tipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hurrah. All right, we're back laughing our way through the fall of the Republic, which should be in about, oh, 10, 15 minutes. So we'll do part of the show and then that'll be it. But tomorrow will be the mailbag, so all your problems will be solved. You want to go on the dailywire.com and subscribe. That is the first thing you have to do. You have to be a subscriber to get in the mailbag. And it's no fair writing me personal questions because I can't answer them, unfortunately, personally. So there's no sense in sending me questions personally. So you got to go on the, the dailywire.com, go on the podcast page, hit the Andrew Claven podcast, hit that little uh, symbol of a mailbag and send in any question you want on politics, on religion, on your personal life. And all my answers are guaranteed by the Daily Wire uh, and their attorneys guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life. Will they change it for the better? Stay tuned tomorrow and you'll find out. It'll at least be exciting. Also, go on YouTube, please, and subscribe. You'll get all my content. We'll have fresh content coming in through Thanksgiving. If you press that little bell, I will personally deliver the content to you by tunneling up uh, underneath your house and coming up through your floor suddenly, uh, giving your grandmother a heart attack, but delivering the content as well. So it'll be kind of a good and bad thing. Also, leave a comment. If your comment is sufficiently idiotic, we'll include it in the show as just being, you know, fitting, blending in seamlessly with our uh, commentary. Uh, we have a comment today from Big Buddha. It's not exactly a joke. He just says, I demand Clavenon merch. 
please. And then, of course, he uh, goes on to say, my humble apologies for making demands of your exalted highness, Clavin. Mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Uh, oh, great, Clavin. You have to do that when you make demands of me. Uh, but Clavin on merch, you know... The Daily Wire does so many things well. Merchandise just doesn't seem to be one of them. We never got a Save the Clavin t-shirt. A, a listener actually sent me a Save the Clavin t-shirt, which I appreciate. And uh, obviously, Clavin on uh, should be just, we should be handing those things out on the street since it comes in handy. This holiday season, more people will be mailing stuff than ever before. And I know you are looking forward to the great holiday tradition of standing online at the post office, surrounded by people uh, who are sneezing and coughing on you. This is what we all look forward to. It's why we celebrate Christmas. Or if you celebrate Christmas for some other reason, you might want to use stamps.com. With stamps.com, anything you can do at the post office, you can do with just a few clicks on your computer. Plus, stamps.com saves you money with deep discounts that you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer. It is a must-have for any business or just a regular person who wants to send out a lot of packages for the holiday season. Don't spend a minute of your holidays at the post office this year. Sign up for stamps.com instead. There's no risk. With my promo code Claven, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Claven. That's stamps.com. Enter clavenstamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Just send out a letter saying, please help. How do you spell Claven? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. I'll bet you didn't know that. So the president did, in fact, uh, give the go-ahead for the transition to start, which means the Biden team will receive money for the process and the access they need to prepare for the new administration. Meanwhile, Trump will continue his attempts to prove the election results fraudulent in court. And painful as this is to think about, it is good for the country. I think we all know that. The Trump team's legal avenues of challenge are closing, and we do want the new president to be fully prepared in case there's an emergency like a, you know, a military attack on our shores or another Barack Obama memoir. Uh, speaking of Obama, he and his swamp creatures did horrible things, both to President Trump and this country after the last election. They spied on the candidate, they released disinformation, they dragged the country through a nonsense investigation into Russian collusion that never happened. But they did allow the transition to begin, even while Hillary Clinton was claiming the election was rigged from the bottom of her Chardonnay bottle. Which brings me to an important point, something that popped into my head right after Trump tweeted his announcement that the transition would begin. The country still works fine, right? I mean, the, the systems of the country are still working fine. The hysterics on the news aren't alerting us to any problems. They actually are the problem. For the last two weeks, we have been treated to some of the most self-blind, hypocritical bull hockey from the left that any of us has ever seen. Oh, you know, the Russian collusion conspiracy theorists and the people who use the FBI to spy on a political candidate were going, oh, oh, the unimaginable evil of Donald Trump making perfectly legitimate legal attempts to challenge the unfairness of an election that was, in fact, questionable in many ways. I'm dubious, as I've said, about the sort of international cabal, auto-controlling Dominion voting machines claims, but there was plenty of room for shenanigans in this election, obviously. The changes to the voting rules the Democrats put in place ostensibly because of the pandemic also helped them with the usual malfeasance and voters fraud that's a Democrat November tradition, sort of like Thanksgiving for the rest of us. So Trump made a perfectly, has made a perfectly reasonable challenge acting within the law. In fact, 
for four years. He is governed within the law. Four years of hearing Trump is Hitler, Trump is Putin, Trump is, to quote the New York Times, the biggest threat to our democracy since World War II. They actually said that. And yet, here we are. The election's over. The transition's beginning. What's really true is not that Trump is Hitler, but that the New York Times is full of crap. The Democrats and their media and their hysteria and their crisis with this is a crisis and that's a crisis, it's all crap. It's all, all of it. Maybe instead of imitating them and fighting their hysteria with our hysteria, possibly we should take the advice of that greatest of all political philosophers, Taylor Swift. <laughs> She knew so much. She was so deep. Um, <laughs> you know, the reason I say this, the reason I say this, is if we calm down and turn our eyes forward into what's going on, we can see that there's things that we really have to deal with. Yesterday, I had lunch with a political pal of mine who gave me some insider polls, and the Georgia runoff is not a, a sure thing at all. I mean, I, th I kind of thought Kelly Loeffler, at least, would be far ahead, but she's not. And when I tell you we should be looking, this is January 5th, so there's a lot of time, but Kelly Loeffler, who is a good candidate, is running neck and neck with Raphael Warnick. This is Warnick in 2017. This is cut five. We've got a lot of problems, but I would not be a prophet if I did not tell you that racism is America's pre-existing condition. Like the insurance companies, nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to cover it because we wonder what it will cost. But we, the land of the free, and the incarceration capital of the world, in this land where we warehouse 25% of the world's prisoners, although we are only 5% of the world, we ought to ask ourselves, what has it cost us not to cover it? Not to face up to it, not to confront it, not to deal with it. Racism is America's pre-existing condition. So she, Kelly Loeffler is 1% ahead of that guy. That's not enough, you know. Uh, the other guy, uh, what's his name, Purdue, he's only 3% ahead of le leftists. Joe Ossoff. Meanwhile, one of Trump's crazier lawyers, uh, what's this guy's name? Lynn something? I, Lynn Wood, I guess it is. Uh, he, he, um, he tweets out, politicians love votes and money, not necessarily in that order. You want to get Senator Laughlin and Senator David Perdue out of their basements to demand that action must be taken to fix the steal of the last election. Uh, threaten to withhold your votes and money. Demand that they represent you. Donald Trump said, no, don't do that. I mean, that's like telling you to drive a nail through your forehead in case you have the thought that maybe Trump actually lost the election. Look, you know, if you stay calm, if you look ahead, you think this is something we have to do. We have to win this election. And again, it's not a sure thing because a lot of the people who were enthusiastic about Donald Trump, who loved Donald Trump, who came out for Donald Trump, may not come out for these Republican candidates, whereas the people who hate Donald Trump will come out for the Democrats. We, this is something we really have to take care of in Georgia. We really have to get people to turn up and turn out. So I want to take a look at some of this, this hysteria that went on as, as just, just in reaction to Donald Trump doing what I think, you know, 
The Democrats went through the courts in the run-up to the election, and this is where the fight should have been fought. This is where the Republicans should have fought the fight in stopping them and changing all the rules that allow them to do all that ballot harvesting they do. Because that, if, if there was a steal of the election, and I still don't believe there, were prob- there was probably enough fraud to change the outcome, but if there was, that's where it would have happened. That is the place where it would have happened. And that was the, the thing we didn't do, and now really it's just too late to fix that. That's not going to go away. Uh, I'm pretty sure, and the courts are not going to give relief for that. That's something that has to be done looking forward. And that, I know, is what Jenna Ellis is actually thinking about, I, I, I believe. So he fights this. So Donald Trump fights what is suspicious, a suspicious election. He said before it was suspicious. He talked about mail. You know, the Democrats and the left and the press, I mean, it's all one thing. The New York Times wrote about the danger of mail fraud. They wrote about the danger of Dominion machines. All these left-wing venues did, in fact, face these things when they thought they were going to be against them. Now, suddenly, Donald Trump is being... I mean, let's take a listen to Rachel Maddow. And I know she's a leftist, and but, but still... It's the self-blindness. Here she is interviewing an NAACP attorney and saying, well, you know, maybe we should be able to to prosecute people uh, for basically acting within the law. This got four. I'm worried that now that the Trump administration has set this president, it will be. And it feels like the only way to stop that becoming the new normal, at least in Republican politics, is for some people to go to jail for it or to feel like they are going to get in trouble if they got get caught doing something like that. Is that the right way to think about it? I think it is. And let me add another another norm to it, Rachel, which is that what the president has done and, and has done systematically and deliberately is to advance a norm in which the votes that are cast in majority black cities or predominantly black cities are seen and tainted in some way as being fraudulent or there being something wrong with them. So here's Rachel Maddow after the last election, the one that Trump won, uh, cut 23. It was not until after the election that the extent of the Russian involvement in our presidential election really came to light. And that started with a startling report from The Washington Post that came out the evening of Friday, December 9th, a report that kind of blew all other news right out of the water. So we had a whole show planned tonight uh, that had honestly nothing to do with this topic. But then uh, The Washington Post just dropped this astonishing bombshell uh, within the last hour. Now, I'm going to, if you haven't seen this yet, I'm going to put the headline up on the screen here so you can see it. I'm just going to quote the lead directly here. Uh, The CIA has concluded in a secret assessment that Russia intervened in the 2016 election to help Donald Trump win the presidency. (laughs) You know, I've said this before, but it really is important. Donald Trump does things that Democrat politicians don't do because Democrat politicians have the press to do it for them. It's a really important point, and it's something some of the never-Trumpers have never understood. Some of the people who attack Trump on his outlandishness, on his boorishness, uh, things that I think may have hurt him uh, in this election, things that I almost certain hurt him in this election. But they were his way of fighting back against this massive, massive monopoly uh, that the left has on the press. And it's uh, the monopoly that has kept the middle of this country from being heard even when they were killing themselves and nobody knew about it. During the Obama years, they were slaughtering themselves with drugs because uh, of despair because uh, Obama was doing nothing about China and all our jobs, our manufacturing jobs were leaking away. Trump actually heard those voices and spoke to them 
And they are not being heard because of the press, and the press drowns them out with their nonsense. I just want to play, just just thinking about the fact that Rachel Maddow is calling for Trump people to be prosecuted for following the law, for acting within the law. That's what she's calling for. She's calling them to be prosecuted for acting within the law, challenging election results within the law. That's what she thinks pe- people should be prosecuted about. Someone made a mashup of Rachel Maddow one show, this is from one show of hers during the uh, during the Russian collusion fiasco. Uh, this is cut 24. Russia, Vladimir Putin, Russia, 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 Russia hates Russia, 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 Putin, Russia's Russia, 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 Russian, 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 Russia, Russia, Moscow, Moscow, Russia, Russian, pro-Russian, Russian, Russia, Russian, 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 the Russians, Russian, 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 Russians, Russians, Russia, Russians, Russian, 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 Russia, Russian, 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 Moscow, Russian, Russian, Russia, Putin, Russian, 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 Russian against us, Russians, Russians, Russia against the U.S., the Russians, Russian, 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 Russian government scheme. <laughs> that's, that's not even the whole thing. That's just one, that's just part of it. But I couldn't play the whole thing because we'd be here forever. But you know, this is this is now suddenly Donald Trump is the, the hysteria before was that Donald Trump uh, basically was a Russian spy, and they were they were attempting a coup. They were attempting an actual coup. They actually impeached the president over zip, over zilch, over nothing, bupkis. That they impeached him for that. That was an actual attempt to get rid of the president. But now it's a coup that the president says, hey, I think I was cheated, so I'm going to the courts, which is what you do when you go to the courts. Now he said, okay, the transition has to go forward. He understands that, and so he's allowed that process to take place. What's the hysteria about? What is the hysteria about? Obviously, the answer is that we only fall for what the left does when we're hysterical. When people are hysterical, sometimes they fall for what the left does. If it's if it's a climate crisis, then we'll give them the power that we wouldn't give them if it's just the weather. You know, that, that's, the that's the difference. And so, you know, we are sort of using this technique back at them. You know, when we have, when we have these kind of a wild conspiracy theories. And again, I think there's plenty of room. There was plenty of room for shenanigans in this election. I think the time to fight that may be passed. But, you know, when we have, you know, they they got rid of Sidney Powell because she put forward all these conspiracy theories without proof, which you can't do. I mean, Rush Limbaugh was saying this the other day. When you make those claims, you got to bring the goods. And uh, and they didn't. And so now Rudy Giuliani says this. He says this is why they separated her from the legal team. It's cut nine. I think it's because we're pursuing two different theories. Our uh, our theory of the case to get to the Supreme Court now in four places, and it's soon going to be in two others and there'll be an overall lawsuit, is uh, b- basically uh, misconduct of the election by state officials in at least five or six different states in which the misconduct of the election involved deprivation of constitutional rights for the president. Perfectly reasonable, perfectly fair. It'll be decided. The, the Supreme Court will decide whether to hear it or not. Rudy is still holding out hope that this is going to happen. I'm, I'm, I've sort of lost hope. I've got to confess just because of the way the legal system works and what the Supreme Court will listen to. Uh, but here's cut 10 from Giuliani. The facts are there. We just need to get them uh, before a trier of fact or before a court that'll be fair and we'll listen to them. I mean, the court, the court in Pennsylvania cut it off without listening to a single fact. And I don't know how, how the judge could have concluded that the facts aren't substantial 
when they haven't even been presented yet. <laughs> They're really kind mm. of, and on a motion to dismiss, well, you're not supposed to consider that. So, you're, you're uh, yeah. unfortunately, we haven't yet got a, well, gotten a fair decision. We will. We've got to be a little patient. One fair decision, one good hearing, and this will turn yeah. all around. Yeah. See, I don't believe that. I, I got to be honest with you. First of all, I know the judge in Pennsylvania was an Obama judge, but still what his point was, was that you, when you want to negate uh, an entire state's election, you have to bring important facts, not just a couple of accusations of fraud. And that is what they brought. You know, you go on Trump's um, Twitter feed and it's all, I was elected, I was robbed. You know, I, I, I would sure like to see Trump out in Georgia. I would sure like to see him out in Georgia campaigning for Loeffler uh, and making sure that we don't lose the Senate. And that's, you know, to me, in a way, both sides benefit, both right and left benefit when we're hysterical. When we're hysterical, that's what moves people off the dime and that's what gets us to help them. But it's what they're directing us toward. And I'm, I am deeply concerned. Look, I, I want the case to continue. I want the Trump legal team to have all the hearings they can have. But I'm deeply, deeply concerned that this is taking the attention away from the fight that we can win, which is the fight in Georgia. And I'm sorry, I don't think that that's dodging a fight. I think it is going to the fight we can win over a fight that is looking increasingly difficult to win. And I think that that's why, that's why a little bit of calm is not such a bad thing. Taylor, you know, Taylor Swift. You have to listen to Taylor Swift. You know what's weird today? I'm not wearing my Vincero watch. I'm almost always wearing it, but I didn't put it on today. But Vincero, I love Vincero watches because they're beautiful watches, but they don't cost a gazillion dollars. I cannot bring myself to even much. I love a good timepiece, but I can't bring myself to pour out so many dollars on a watch. You don't have to if you head over to VinceroWatches.com slash Clavin. Right now, they're having a site-wide sale, so that's up to 15% off anything on their site. Plus, they make the perfect gift, especially with the holidays coming up. With Vincero, there's no brand name markup, no big-time price tags. Their promise to you is simple, solid, well-made products you will enjoy wearing. These guys know just how important it is to shop from local brands you can trust. Vincero offers free shipping, 30-day returns, and guarantees your watch for two years. So continue to support this brand as they continue to support this show. Go to V-I-N-C-E-R-O watches.com forward slash Clavin. Take advantage of the sale opportunity and get one of my go-to watches at such a great price. You can find them on the site. Like I said, these are timepieces you'll enjoy wearing every single day. If you don't, Vincero will make it right. That's their promise. If you don't love it, They'll make it right by you. And I know I told you how to spell Vincero, <laughs> but you don't know how to spell Clavin. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. Let us take a non-hysterical look at some of these Joe Biden cabinet appointments. It's really interesting. Now, Ben Rhodes, remember Ben Rhodes? He was the Obama guy who uh, basically went to the New York Times and bragged that they had sold the horrific Iran deal because the press was so stupid, they were so young, they didn't know anything, that they were coming to them for, to explain things to them, as opposed to the old-timey reporters who actually knew a lot about a foreign policy and would not have been conned. And so uh, Rhodes was talking about how he had conned the press, and the New York Times and all the press were saying, wow, that was really good. Good job, Ben. That was really amazing. That was really amazing the way you made fools of us and got past us. I, it was really amazing. Well, Ben Rhodes... Uh, used to call the typical foreign policy establishment, he used to call them the blob. 
And what he meant by that is that they were the people, they just kind of all believed in the same liberal world order, and they all knew this was the case, and they all knew it was true, and it was just, you know, that's that's the way they move forward. And the blob basically is back. It's not it's not so much the swamp in the, in this case as the blob. It really is. It's these people who know what they know. You know. When I was when I was in Afghanistan, I lo- always love starting this story with when I was in Afghanistan because it makes me sound like Dr. Watson from the Sherlock Holmes story. When I was in Afghanistan, you know, I was in Afghanistan for a week. But still, while I was there, I was traveling with a lot of State Department guys and State Department guys. I've met them elsewhere, too. And they are, uh, almost every one of them, exceptionally uh, intelligent, exceptionally intelligent, exceptionally well-read, exceptionally sophisticated, uh, nice people. But a lot of times, the stuff that comes out of their mouth, it's it's really hard to believe, and it is the result of being surrounded by the blob. It's the result of being surrounded by people who agree with them. I've had people from the State Department tell me how evil it was that Israel bombed Saddam Hussein's uh, nuclear uh, plant because it was against uh, international law. And I I just said, like, man, I didn't didn't lose a day's night's sleep over that. You know, it was like he could have just kept bombing as far as I was concerned. And I was talking to this guy in Afghanistan and he was talking about the expertise that was required and all this stuff. And I said to him, you know, I'm old enough to remember. And I said this because he was about my age. I said, I'm old enough to remember when people like you were saying that the Soviet Union was the future that they had seen the future and it works, that socialism, communism was the way we were all going to go. And I said, there were guys raking their lawn out in Dubuque who had high school educations who were going, I don't know much, but those commies, they're bad guys. And I said, they turned out to be right and you guys turned out to be wrong. I've never seen somebody's face just go, uh, he was a lovely guy, but his face just went utterly blank. I mean, it was like he could not hear the idea that sometimes common sense beats uh, this expertise, especially among the blob. So, you know, the, well, let, let me just start with this. The one thing that really got me about these appointments uh, came from David Axelrod, the classic Democrat hack kind of. This is cut six, him talking about Joe Biden's cabinet appointments. Biden is following through on the pledge that he made as a candidate. He promised the most diverse cabinet uh, in history. He's delivering that Janet Yellen, the first Treasury Secretary uh, of the United States in, in, in the history of the Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Avril Haines uh, over as the DNI. It's, it's, it, that's historic as well. But I think we, we shouldn't lose in the, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mayorkas, the new uh, uh, DHS um, secretary, we should point out, is a, is a Cuban-American immigrant, mm-hmm. also historic and symbolically uh, important. I heard this and I, I inwardly groaned, and I hope America will inwardly groan. It seems to me that for four years, at least in the White House, we got beyond identity politics. Who cares? Who cares what, where these guys come from when you say they're diverse and they all believe in the same things such that even Ben Rhodes called them the blob. You're still the blob if you're black or a woman or whatever. You know, it's just, it's just an amazing thing that we're back to this tired, wearisome, oh, it's historic. It's historic because, oh, she's a woman. Oh, my goodness. It, look, look how brown that person is. And they don't ask, like, what do they believe? Well, they believe in the same old things. I mean, the worst of it is 
I mean, what are we going to see? We're going to see multilateralism. Everything has to be negotiated. If, if we are going to lead, if America is going to lead, we have to do it through the UN. And, you know, that's where we've seen this already. We know it, it's ridiculous. Also, I mean, the worst of it is, is John Kerry. John Kerry is now the climate czar, okay? And here, John Kerry has a philosophy. This is cut 25. You haven't got the knack of being idly rich. You see, you should do like me, just snooze and dream, dream and snooze. The pleasures are unlimited. Now, right, that was John Kerry before he was rescued from Gilligan's Island. Uh, but the thing, the bad thing about Kerry, first of all, Kerry has never made a good deal with anybody. He's never negotiated a good deal with anybody. And of course, he's going to bring us back into the Paris Climate Accord. It's not going to be ratified if, if we hold the Senate. It's not going to be a, an actual treaty. It's just going to be this kind of uh, loose agreement. But what it does is it just gives China tremendous power. It gives China, all it does is it says to us, we have to meet certain standards, certain environmental standards. And China has to meet them someday. You know, the Chinese love doing stuff someday. You know, the Chinese are, the, are guys spewing, uh, you know, pollutants into the air where we keep cleaning things up and getting cleaner and cleaner. So this is going to be like, a, you know, a genuine problem. And the, the idea, the idea that this climate change, you know, uh, Joseph Curl writing at the Daily Wire points out that Kerry uh, owns a beachfront home in Martha's Vineyard. He paid almost $12 million for it. It's 18.5 acres. So he don't believe in climate change. He doesn't believe in the climate crisis. It's just the hysteria that he, sent, that he is selling, that they're all selling because they know it gets people crazy. He know, they know they can get people to support bigger government, all these plans, all this power for the blob. That's what they're looking for, pow, power to the blob. Then there's the guy, uh, Tony Blinken, and Jake or Jack Sullivan, I can't remember. He, uh, Blinken is going to be Secretary of State. Uh, Sullivan is going to be the National Security Advisor. Blinken's best moment, actually, was when Obama didn't do anything. Remember the red line in Syria where he said if uh, Assad uses um, chemical weapons, that'll be a red line, and then he did, and we didn't do anything? That was his best moment. Blinken said superpowers don't bluff. And he was a little bit more... Um, aggressive in Syria than Obama was. Uh, he was, But he was still part of this idiotic Iran deal, which really did, really was a bad thing. This is cut uh, 13, Blinken on the Iran deal. If you ask the Israeli military or intelligence community today mm -hmm. whether we should pull out of the deal, you will get a resounding no. Mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, uh, many of them have acknowledged to us, some will actually say this publicly, others won't, that it has removed uh, a significant concern for them, at least far into the future. And everything we've seen and our intelligence community has seen and has said publicly is that the overwhelming bulk of the proceeds that they've managed to get back have gone into the economy, not, not, to, Hezbollah. Energies, not to Hezbollah. So, so we've got these clowns back. It's going to be, once again, you know, th th there'll be some good stuff from it. There will. There will. Uh, we should heal our relationships with Europe. I know it was fun to watch Trump push them around, and they deserve to be pushed around, and they should have put in more money in NATO. They should have lived up to their agreements. But we also need to act in concert with them against China. We need to act in concert with the Pacific nations against China. Uh, it's, th those things are important. Trump alienated people there. You know, he, he, did the, he did the right things, but sometimes he did them in such ways that they, they broke alliances that we need. USA Today has a has a piece that says even Trump's critics say he got some things right. And it's 
packed with anti-Trump rhetoric. It's packed with, oh, Trump did this and he was terrible at this. But in between, so I just lifted out some of the things that they said in between the anti-Trump rhetoric because it's important as they bring the blob back in, they're bringing the blob back in, but they're not bringing it into the world the blob left, okay? They're not bringing the blob back into the pre-Trump world. Trump has changed things. So here's from USA Today. Some foreign policy experts, ex-diplomats, and even Trump's harshest opponents concede that for all of his America first nationalism, ooh, ah, God, I hate that, and his unorthodox style, Trump's various overseas initiatives have produced limited qualified successes. Everything in this article is just put like that. It's limited, qualified, but a success. Streamlining the way American hostages hostage cases are handled, and improving communications with families is one example. NATO Secretary General... St now I'm cutting out all the stuff about how evil he was and how he was orange and he was bad and he was an orange bad, a bad orange person. But in between that, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg has credited Trump's relentless complaints about NATO with having an impact. The... the uh, Europeans did start to put more money into NATO. Trump presided over historic, quote-unquote, normalization agreements signed between some Arab states and Israel. We can, quote, we can fault Trump for mismanaging the public relations around it. We can question his motivations, says Shira Efron, a Tel Aviv-based policy advisor for the Israel Policy Forum. But it is possible these agreements could be the start of something positive for the Middle East like the end to people killing each other all the time. It goes on and on, the fact that he made uh, our policy tougher on China, that he alerted people like Joe Biden who've been sitting around going, come on, man, China's not a threat. China's, are, they're good people. China he has changed everything. So the blob comes in into the world that Donald Trump made. If they blow up the peace arrangements in the Middle East, if they become too friendly with China, the voters are going to tell him about it. It is a different world. So if, if, we win at least one seat in Georgia. It won't be a nightmare. If we don't, it could well be because that's going to give an open door to the left to come in and control Joe Biden. So when you reach a certain age, as we used to say, as when you reach a certain age, you suddenly start to get letters asking you to join older people's associations. And the problem with them is a lot of them support causes you do not want to support. I mean, really don't want to support. They don't see the dangers coming to the country. They don't fear the things you fear or hope for the things you hope for. That is why you should try out the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now, I can't join that. I'm old enough to join it, but I'm just not mature enough. But if you are mature enough, you want to join the Association of Mature American Citizens because they fight for you. They care about the things you care about. They see the troubles coming that you see, and they want to do something about it. So stand with them. Just go to amac.us forward slash Claven. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Claven. The benefits of AMAC membership are great, but the cause is even greater. Join today at amac.us forward slash Claven. And it's kind of weird. I spelled AMAC, A-M-A-C, but I didn't spell Claven. And I know you're probably thinking, how, 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 please, please tell me how, how do you spell Claven? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no E's. I just make it look this easy. Thanksgiving is almost here. You may have noticed this from all the politicians telling you you can't have Thanksgiving. That's how you know. That's how you know it's coming. It's kind of like Christmas carols bring in Christmas. Politicians screaming at you about Thanksgiving is how you know Thanksgiving is here. 
but it also means Black Friday is almost here. And since last year's Black Friday deal, which was hugely popular with AY, we've been consistently adding more features and more products to our membership program, and we're really excited about it. To name a few things, we've added more exclusive Reader's Pass content. Our Insider and Above members can now stream our content on Apple TV and Roku, which is exciting because of all the new content we're adding. Like, for instance, the Michael Knowles Show, which will be five days a week starting on December 4th. You're, I know, that's you actually should pay us uh, to stop that, but we... <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's great. Your account also now comes with custom badges that you can earn by participating in Daily Wire events. If you're an All Access member, you get to join All Access Live, uh, our exclusive Daily Wire streams with me and some of the other hosts where we get to actually talk directly to you, which I love doing. Uh, you also get two Leftist Tears tumblers, not just one, and hopefully you'll need them. Uh, early access to our Daily Wire merch, which hopefully we'll do more of, and daily discussions with our writers and special guests. We're continuing to add new features and products, the entire PragerU library, which is going to be on our website so you don't have to go through the left social media where they censor us. You'll get content from Candace Owens. She'll have a new show. Lots and lots of stuff we'll be doing. So needless to say, we're excited about this year's deal and you do not want to miss it. Come on over to dailywire.com and subscribe. You know, Hysteria makes everything worse. It actually, it, it, you, it makes you feel like, oh yeah, we're going to fight this and things will be better. But it actually makes everything worse. You know, I was, I was going on Netflix uh, yesterday and I noticed that because of Black Lives Matter, a, a whiff of racism has come into my movie watching, which I'm really disturbed about. I'm going to have to, you know, before, I always just considered everybody part of the American experience. I didn't think like in watching The Godfather or I'm watching an Italian movie, I'm watching, you know, an, an American movie. And if a movie was about uh, black people, I, I literally never thought about it. I just thought, oh, you know, like, like get out. I thought, oh, this is a, a part of the American experience, right? Same way as watching The Godfather was part of the American experience. Watching Get Out was part of the, the experience, the American experience about assimilation in the case of black Americans. And so I just never thought about it. Now you go on Netflix and there's a little note that says part of our BLM library, our BLM collection, <laughs> the Black Lives Matter collection. And I think, well, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> I don't want to watch the Black Lives Matter because I think there are a bunch of Marxist buffoons, you know, rioting and causing trouble all over the place and, and taking money under false pretexts, pretexts and then using uh, the the anodyne phrase, Black Lives Matter, to hide all this craziness. So I see this movie and I think like, yeah, the Black Lives Matter collection, I'm not, uh, I'm not watching that. It's like hysteria makes everything worse. And obviously the biggest hysteria we're getting now is the Chinese flu hysteria. And it is, it's making things worse. You know, Bill McGurn, the great McGurn, has a column in the Wall Street Journal today talking about the hypocrisy of all these governors who say we can't do things and then they go out and do them. And, and he says, you know, uh, unlike he says, um, he quotes a guy, Daniel Halpern, uh, who is uh, at the University of North Carolina at School of Global Public Health. And he says, the mandates and guidelines fixate on behaviors and settings where the actual risk is very low, such as fleeting public encounters, service-based transmission, or beach visits. And meanwhile, measures which could have the greatest prevention impact, like re-engineering buildings to improve air circulation, and just opening the windows in your house and making sure air is circulating when you have people over, uh, those things are not things that people look at. And, and McGurn says, Hypocrisy is guaranteed when we impose one-size-fits-all mandates that are rigid and unworkable. So you have like 
Mario Cuomo, uh, Mario Cuomo, sorry, Andrew Cuomo, Governor Death in New York, who's telling you you can't travel, you can't travel for Thanksgiving, you shouldn't get together, shouldn't have too many people. And then he says this about his own Thanksgiving, this is cut 19. The story is my mom is going to come up and two of my uh, girls is the current plan. But the plans change. Um, but that's my plan. <laughs> no one they gave him an Emmy for playing a good governor when he's one of the worst governors in the country. And now he, he talks about the fact that there are a lot of officers, a lot of police departments and sheriff's departments who say, we're not going to we're not going to do this. We're not going to go to people's homes and arrest them for having Thanksgiving. And this is Cuomo's response. Cut 18. I believe that law enforcement officer violates his or her constitutional duty. I don't consider them a law enforcement officer because you don't have the right to pick laws that you think you will enforce and you don't enforce laws that you don't agree with, right? That's not a law enforcement officer. Uh, that's a dictator. So he's making laws up out of his head, right? He's not passing them in the legislature. And the police are saying, yeah, we're not enforcing those because you're a dictator. And you're, he's saying that you're a dictator because you won't enforce a dictator's laws. These guys have really lost it. And it's the hysteria that makes things worse because, you know, gathering with a lot of people in a closed space, especially if some of them are older, is in fact one of the things you probably should be a little bit wary about. You should make sure your windows are open, that you've got a fan going, and you should especially make sure that none of you comes anywhere near me because saving the Claven obviously should be our national priority. But, you know, when they, when they react like this, when they hate the people so much that they feel that they have to have their boots on our necks, it becomes impossible to even want to do the thing they want you to do. Here is my favorite governor in the country, Governor Kate Brown of Oregon, telling you what you should do <laughs> if you see your neighbors celebrating Thanksgiving. This is cut two. Do you want people calling the police on their neighbors, not emergency lines or 911? Look, this is no different than what happens if there's a party down the street and it's keeping everyone awake. What do neighbors do? They call law enforcement because it's too noisy. This is just like that. It's like a violation of a noise ordinance. That, that could be a yes. Yes, yes. Um, but honestly, um, they shouldn't have to. This is about saving lives and it's about protecting our fellow Oregonians. It's about protecting our families. It's pro about protecting our vulnerable community members. And frankly, um, it's about protecting um, the entire state of Oregon. So this is, remember, a woman who had no problem with Black Lives Matter. She thought that was fine if they went out in the streets, if they gathered, had big gatherings, that was all fine. But if you have Thanksgiving, if you see somebody having Thanksgiving, call the police. I think we should all, I think the entire country should call the Oregon police. <laughs> I think every single person in this country should dial Oregon's 911, whatever, Portland's 911 number, and call the police and report that we're all having Thanksgiving and you can go to hell. Basically, Kate Brown, what a terrible, what a terrible person. And then they don't understand, you know, this is the thing. And then when right-wingers say like, nah, I'm not doing this, I'm not wearing a mask, go to hell. 
they, they're like, how, what, what is wrong? Are you with the science, the science, the science is you call the police when your friends have, when your neighbors have Thanksgiving, call the police on your neighbors. You've been seeing them for years. You love them, you know them, but you should dial 911 if you see them celebrating Thanksgiving. Why aren't you listening to me? Why, why won't you do what I tell you to do? It is, it is truly, truly amazing. Here is Larry Hogan, a Republican, just to make sure we understand this is on both sides, Republican uh, governor of Maryland, cut 20. Well, it's, it's sort of like saying, I have a constitutional right uh, to drive drunk. I have a constitutional right to not wear a seatbelt or to yell fire in a crowded movie theater uh, or to not follow the speed limit. Which part don't you understand? You wear the mask. It's, there's no constitutional right to walk around without a mask. There's no constitutional right to walk around without a mask. <laughs> he actually, those words actually came out of his mouth. No constitutional right to, you know, they forgot that one. They forgot in the Bill of Rights. They were going to do that. They were going to do that. You know, you have the freedom to walk around without a mask. That's your right. But they left it out because they never thought anybody would be that stupid to say that you had no right to walk around without a mask. I just have to play this because uh, this one more clip because it's actually gratifying. I really enjoyed it. Phil Murphy in New Jersey, another governor death. He's governor. He's like governor mini death. Uh, he, He goes out to eat and he's not wearing a mask. And some of his fellow diners had some words with him about that. This is cut three. We need a lot more of that. We need a lot more of tar and feathers. They're, they're really, we really do have to return to tar and feathers in these country, in this country. But these guys, these guys deserve it. And they don't, they, it's because they don't trust the people. They don't believe in the people. They don't believe the people should be free. They don't believe the people should be able to make their own decisions. They love those executive orders. They love telling you what to do. No, we shouldn't do it. Uh, it just makes, that kind of hysteria makes everything worse. I got to uh, comment a bit on this video that's going around from an HBO documentary called Trans Hood, uh, where a mother uh, puts her four-year-old son in a dress and reads him LGBT propaganda. And they talk, this child, these trans activists come before little children and talk uh, a little boy. I, I, I'm not even sure I want to play. Well, let's play it. Talk a little boy into admitting he's a girl. Uh, it's cut 22. Today we choose to recognize, honor, love, and celebrate anyone here who would claim their identity publicly as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. <laughs> okay. Phoenix would like you to know that she's a girl and she prefers she and her pronouns. I've done too much in this world, it's ruined my life enough, and now everyone in this world is going to know. If I sell my book, it's going to go on the news for like, with, along with me for like the 50th time at this point. And it's just going to make my life worse. You know, uh, a lot of people have said this, that these adults should be arrested. They should be put in prison. This is child abuse. There's no question. There's no question about it. I mean, it's not a gray area. This is child abuse. Uh, part, 
establishing your gender identity, which is what your body says it is, uh, is one of the prime chores of childhood. It can be disturbed. You know, everybody should read Charles Beaumont was uh, a short story writer who contributed to a, a lot, the Twilight Zone a lot. He wrote a lot of the classic uh, episodes of the Twilight Zone, and he was raised by a mother uh, who put him in dresses uh, and uh, was very cruel to him but, and dressed him up as a little girl. And he wrote a story about it called Miss Gentibelle, uh, and it, it is basically about a, a mother forcing a little boy to... Uh, dress up as a girl, and it ends with the little boy killing her uh, while saying his male name over and over again, Robert, 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 stabbing her uh, to death. This is the kind of rage and twistedness and ugliness that this kind of thing proceeds, puts out. I want to put one idea in your head, though, something I've thought about a lot. Everybody on the right talks about the war on masculinity, the pop singer who wears a dress and all this stuff, and the uh, attacks on men for being men, the idea that masculinity is toxic. I would like to... I say that I believe that underlying that is actually a hatred of femininity. It actually is, the hatred of masculinity is actually a secondary symptom of the hatred of femininity. And it works like this. Because some of these women are really uncomfortable with their femininity and really hate femininity uh, and hate its self-sacrifice, hate its gentleness, hate the fact that it takes you out of the it can lead you out of the world of profit, of uh, ambition, of career, into a world of homemaking and nurturing and loving people and creating a world for them that makes their world, makes their childhood and their husbandhood uh, beautiful because it puts certain uh, non-profitable values over the values of profit and over the values of materialism. They hate that femininity Uh, and they want women to be masculine. But the problem with women is they cannot be as good at being masculine as men, so they want men to stop being masculine. It is a secondary, the hatred of men is a secondary symptom of the hatred of women and femininity. And I think that is a, uh, even that is a secondary symptom, even the hatred of femininity is a secondary symptom of materialism. The idea that these spiritual values that mothers typically represent, uh, the spiritual value of not having a career, but instead giving your life to other people, uh, making their lives beautiful, making their lives meaningful, making little children, making babies into human beings. Because women create people twice, once when they give birth to them and the other time when they nurture them into their humanity. And the idea that that takes you out of the marketplace, capitalists don't like it. They don't like losing the workers. Uh, Socialists don't like it. They don't like the fact that it makes people unequal in materialist ways. It is materialism as they say, straight up. It's a hatred of femininity that leads to the hatred of masculinity because men are better at being men than women are, (laughs) obviously. Uh, And I I, I just want you to know when you're seeing this, you're seeing a bigger sickness. What you're seeing is the last symptom of a much bigger sickness, which is our loss of the idea of human beings as spiritual entities, which, by the way, they are. Mailbag is tomorrow. Gather your problems around you, kiss them on their head, say goodbye to them. They'll all be gone as I answer your questions right here on The Andrew Clavin Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. 
The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saivitz and Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, is by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental. And that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Listen.